Well, good morning, church. It is good to be back with you. It has been a while, unless you attended the Salvador Valley Annual Associational Meeting last year in this building. I was here then. I was looking back. I think it's been about maybe three years uh, since I preached for you last. Uh, Tim called me. Actually, I shouldn't say he called me. He texted me earlier this week and said, hey, man, uh, I can't taste and I can't smell, so I think I have COVID. And so uh, if you are not preaching this week, uh, I'd appreciate if you'd go to bat for me. And I said, well, you're just lucky. I was planning on visiting another church in the association because right now I'm currently serving as your kind of interim associational missionary in Tidal Valley. And so um, I said I'd be more than willing. It's always good. I'm always blessed by y'all. Uh, in being, I'd I love to hear you sing. You sing. Sometimes churches today, they don't sing. They just kind of listen and kind of mumble the words. They don't sing. Uh, I love the spirit of your praise team. And not only that, the fashion on the stage this morning was pretty good too, was it not? I thought, you know, and then you got the good looking guys uh, and compliments and uh, a, a, a very happy spirited leader when he sings. And as he, uh, you can't help but smile and say, man, it, if I just had that kind of spirit all the time in me, you know, it would be just great. And so uh, it's a blessing to be here. I bring you greetings from Bruce Smith. He's our interim associate exec. As you know, Dr. Kwok retired this past December. And so please pray for our staff and our team as we are beginning to search for a new exec. That is uh, the, the actual uh, uh, publication just went out on Baptist Press this past week. So I'm assuming that the the team uh, will be inundated very, very quickly uh, with resumes, and then they'll have to begin to pray through and sort through who might be our next exec. And I pray that whoever that next exec is, that uh, he will be able to lead us and guide us to great heights. I'm, I'm a very firm believer. I've been in Southern Baptist Ohio since 1970, and uh, I'm a firm believer that our best days are before us. I think our most challenging days are before us. But I think our best days are before us because when, when the world is challenged with the things that we're currently challenged with, it really is a great opportunity for the body of Christ to rise up, to be different from the world and show them really what Jesus is and who he is in our life and be able to reach out to people. Uh, even though we're, we're socially distancing and we're, uh, we can't do the things that we normally would do, people are still hunger for or hungering for relationship they still want to talk I mean I can't think of uh, I think of school children I can't think of how you guys must be able to cope with all that because so much of the social interaction that you need when you're growing is so important to a life and so uh, I'm sure that uh, it has been interesting in your households as, as it has been in mine but um, this morning we want to just maybe take a take a step back from the world and just kind of think about what does God say to us in the midst of our lives uh, as we're living this daily life, this struggle that the Apostle Paul calls it in Romans chapter 7. How do, we, how do we fight the flesh? How can we beat the flesh? How can we overcome the flesh? Only by the Spirit of the living God. Only He is the one who gives us the power to overcome, much like we just said. If we're going to obey His commands in the song, then it has to come from Him. Because in and of ourselves, we are a disobedient-hearted people. That's just what we do so praise God he doesn't abandon us he doesn't leave us he doesn't forsake us he stays with us he empowers us he forgives us he redeems us he he brushes our backside off and gets us back up and goes going along the path amen that's the mighty God we serve this morning I'm going to ask you if you will
turn to a very, very familiar text of Scripture, John chapter 10. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject of the Good Shepherd. One of the things that has been a, uh, a great joy to my life over the last three years is that I'm involved with a Friday morning men's Bible study. Uh, the first year and a half we met, we met in a bar uh, up on the north part of Columbus on Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Uh, it's interesting, you don't see too many uh, preachers that have keys to bars, but I had a key to this particular bar. One of our former football players way back in the day owned that particular bar. And so we met in this um, in this bar on Friday mornings with about 10 to 12 of us. And then, of course, COVID hit. And then now there's about 16 to 20 of us that are meeting via Zoom every Friday morning. Uh, when we first began, I was the one who did most of the teaching. Now I do very little of the teaching because the guys who are in the group, we kind of rotate now. And it has been so enriching for me... Because they say things and see things in text that I have degrees in, and I don't see the same things they see all the time, which has been very, very beneficial for me because it has broadened my scope of how people can take one truth of Scripture and apply it in multifaceted ways in their lives and how they observe it. And that's the uniqueness in the mystery of the gospel, that there can be one Scripture, but it might literally have a thousand different applications to a thousand different life. That's its power. And so I've been very, very rewarded in doing that. Um, I really planned on when Tim called me to, to preach a message. Uh, I wanted to maybe preach it one or two more times this year. The Lord gave it to me at the turn of the year. But as I was going through the Bible study this Friday, uh, this past Friday, uh, the Lord began to speak to my heart about this particular message. And so it's fresh to me. I've probably preached this text 10, 20, 30 times through my pastoral life uh never have gotten these five points and i only gave y'all four uh so i added one since then but uh i just want to share with you just five simple thoughts and maybe a couple different truths that we can take from god's word today that can equip us and empower us and enable us to be light shining in the darkness that the world might see our good deeds and praise our father who is in heaven i'm going to ask you if you will to stand in honor of the reading of god's word um and I want to read, actually, I want to read uh, beyond where you will see on the screen. I'm reading out of the uh, Home and Christian Standard. I want to read, actually, down to verse 30, if you don't mind. So this is what the Lord says under the inspiration of the Apostle John. And this is what he's trying to uh, tell us. He says, I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought all on his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They'll never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this illustration they did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me or who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life 
and they might have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. He says again in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep, but I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the father loves me because I'm laying down my life so that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. Well, then again, a division took place among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Well, then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple complex in Solomon's colonnade. Then the Jews surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And the Father and I are one. May the Lord have his blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. You may be seated. It's important when we're reading the Word of God to, to understand all the time its context. If you were to examine John's Gospel closely, part of what you will see beginning in chapter 5 and then concluding in the next chapter is that Jesus is continuing his sermon discourses to the masses concerning his Father, concerning himself, and concerning God's Word. He's been doing that since chapter 5. Many of the discourses in these particular chapters run parallel to the Jewish festivals. The festival of the Sabbath and the festival of the Passover, the festival of the tabernacles. And now as it's mentioned in verse 22, this festival of dedication, which basically is Hanukkah, which was a remembrance of the nation of Israel concerning the dedication of the temple. And so one of the things that was very, very important was when the temple was rededicated, is that to make sure that whoever would be leading in the temple would be godly leaders teaching godly things that would be beneficial for the people and would be honoring to the Lord God himself. As he does this, the Pharisees get a little agitated because they're basically the leaders of the temple. Or in this day, they were the leaders of the synagogues, the priests and the Pharisees, very pious people. And so as Jesus is talking about the festivals, in essence, what he's really doing is he's saying, I embody the festivals. In fact, if you look closely and you know the Old Testament, I am the festivals. In bodily form, I am the one who is the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the Passover lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. I am the one who wants to dwell with you and you need to dwell with me. 
And I am the one who's dedicated to the God's will and, and doing God's word. And so as he does this, he's really kind of critiquing the Pharisees and the leadership and their pious habits. And in this chapter, he's really connecting maybe chapter 9 with the blind man because the blind man didn't listen to the leaders who told him, how in the world did you become blind? He listened to Jesus, the good shepherd, and he followed Jesus' word, did what Jesus told him, and he was blind, but now he can see. And so as Jesus continues this short discourse, some would say, well, maybe it was not happening during Hanukkah. Maybe Hanukkah happened afterward. It doesn't really matter the timing of Hanukkah and the festival. The reality was Jesus again was saying, listen, you say you're leaders in God's family and in God's uh, temple in his body, but yet you're not leading the right way. I truly am the right leader. I am the God leader. Now, he's not saying that pridefully. He's saying it very, very purposefully. And so what he does is he's continually debunking their claims of spiritual authority and godly identity. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and, and some of the zealots and the, and, the, and the Sadducees, they were all about the outward display. I mean, it was all about how you looked before people, not how you really were before God. And if you'll remember when Samuel goes to Jesse's household back in uh, the Old Testament looking for a new king because God had taken the spirit uh, of himself away from Saul and was going to give it to someone whom he says was after his own heart. As the sons are paraded before Samuel, as he sees the firstborn Eliab, he says, surely this is the Lord's anointed. This guy looks the part, but no, it wasn't him. And he parades the other sons, and finally God intervenes and says, quit looking at the outside. You look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. And then he asks that question, is there another son? Yeah, he's outside. He's a shepherd, by the way. He's outside tending to the sheep. We'll bring him in. And surely as Samuel sees him, he is certainly the one whom God has chosen. And so Jesus is debunking this so-called authority. And in essence, what he's really doing, he's trying to contrast through the festivals and through his teachings. He's trying to contrast his personhood, who he is and what he does. And he's contrasting that against them. Now, if we read the gospel very, very closely, we know that John was the gospel writer that tried to emphasize the deity of our Lord. So he gives us these great I am statements, right? As Jesus would say, I'm the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the good shepherd. I am the door uh, to the gate. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. So as Jesus is teaching, and, he's, and John is... Re recording and writing these I am statements, it goes against everything that the Pharisees have gained in their pious outward appearance and practice. And if you remember, one of the things that also accompanies the I am statements in John's apostle, uh, his writing, is that he also gives the seven signs to go in, in, in line with the seven statements. And if you think about the seven signs, so what John is trying to say is, listen, Jesus is the God-man. Yes, he's the Jewish Messiah, like Matthew said. Yes, he's the straightway servant, like Mark says. Yes, he's the son of man, like Luke says. 
But in all of those three things, let us not lose sight of this fact that he is God made in the flesh. And he's walking amongst us. And the proof is the things that he did. He turns water into wine. He heals the official son. He heals the sick. He feeds the 5,000. He walks on the water. He heals the blind man. And if that's not enough, in the next chapter, two chapters from where we are now, he raises Lazarus from the dead. So we better pay attention to this guy. We better, we better heed his word because his life, and I, I have these kind of conversations all the time with people in witnessing encounters. You know, you can believe in who you want to believe in. I mean, really, there's a lot of things to believe in today, aren't there? But I'd rather believe in a guy who predicted his death. In fact, people were predicting it thousands of years before it happened. And he said, not only will it happen, but I'm going to tell you after it happens what's going to happen. I'm going to get up out of the grave, and then I'm going to talk to people when I get up out of the grave. And then one of these days, I'm going to send back into heaven and go back to our Father. I'm going there to prepare this place for you so that where I am, you'll be there. I'm not telling you this so that I can be away from you. I'm telling you this so you can be joined with me. But one of these days, don't forget, or one of these days, don't forget, I'm also going to come back. That's the kind of guy I want to believe in. I mean, a lot of things to believe in, but he is set apart. Because nobody else has that testimony. Nobody else has three languages over five continents, over six or 40 authors, over thousands of years that say the whole book is about the guy, this Jesus guy. So we better pay attention to what this guy says. And so as Jesus says, he says, listen, for those of you who will hear, I want you to know that I'm the good shepherd. And so as I thought about that, as we were doing the Bible study, the Lord just spoke to me in four um, simple things. And then I added another as I read a devotional. That was, this is so timely. Uh, the, uh, and I'll read it at the end. The, uh, the, the message comes to me Friday. My personal devotion on Saturday confirms the message. God's just good about that. He's just good in that way. So let me share with you four quick observations. About the good shepherd. One of the things the good shepherd wants us to know. Is that the good shepherd is always present with us. The good shepherd he's always present with us. Meaning that he's in close proximity all the time. I tell people this all the time. I said Jesus is never farther away. Than the mention of his name. He's never farther away than the mention of his name. You mention his name. He's there. Lickety split. He's there. He, he reminds us over and over again. What happens when he creates man and woman? The Bible says he's present with them in the garden. They're having fellowship day in and day out. When Moses turns aside and sees the burning bush. When Noah's building the ark. Two very, very difficult times of Christian history, two very, very difficult times of doing ministry. God confirms to both of them, by the way, I'm with you. Here's how you build the ark. And then when you get in, he's the one that closes the door. So he's in with them. And then as, uh, as uh, Moses goes to the bush and he says, hey, you're going to go back and lead my people out of Israel. Moses says, you know what, I got some flaws, Lord. I really do have some flaws. It may not be best for you to send me, send another. And he goes, no, I'm sending you. And by the way, I'll be with you all the time. 
that you're doing these things. When he's about ready to leave the apostles, he says, by the way, guys, I want you to go in our world and preach the gospel, baptize people, teach them to obey what I've, what I've taught you. He said, I want you to know something. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the earth. So one of the things that Jesus is trying to say to these people, if you hear his voice and you heed his word, he is always going to be present with you. Well, what does it mean to be present? Well, in this particular case, and it's mentioned, the sheep can see him visually. The sheep can hear him verbally. The sheep know him intimately. And because of that, the sheep trust him. They trust where he's guiding them. They trust where he's leading them. And in the reality of his presence, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So when Jesus is present, whatever happens to be holding me in bondage, he's the chain breaker, the song says, right? He can break the chains of our hearts and our minds and our lives if we will but rest in his power and rely on his presence. Because when Jesus is in the house, things happen. Amen? When Jesus shows up in a mighty way, things happen. There's some things going on right now in the world. There's some revivals breaking out. And it's because there's some things that are taking that Jesus is in the house. The Holy Spirit is filling the temple. Not only this temple, but this temple. And God's Spirit is being unleashed on people. People are getting saved. People are rededicating their life. People are confessing their sin. I mean, it's just amazing work of the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Because God's present in Christ. Jesus is present in me and you, for those of us who know Christ, because of the Holy Spirit residing in our heart. He gives us himself that we would live in him and he in us, which is tremendous, tremendous ability to just to realize that particular thing. You know, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death today. I know that in the last two weeks, I've buried two relatives because of COVID. Two young, pretty healthy, but tragic in death. And how do you get through things like that without the presence of the Lord? I know what it's like to live life in and of myself and do my own thing. I can tell you there's a lot more satisfaction and a lot more calm and a lot more peace when you're walking with Jesus and he's walking with you. The other things of the world just don't satisfy. They're empty at the end of the day. They're a dead-end street. So as Jesus is speaking, he's contrasting the Pharisees in himself. He's contrasting their outward uh, piety to his inward holiness. And he says, listen, if you really want to follow someone, the good shepherd. And remember that the Old Testament, the, the uh, symbolism is that God was the shepherd of Israel, right? God was the shepherd of Israel. So Jesus says, listen, I'm the shepherd of eternal life. <laughs> I'm the one whom you really need to pay attention to because I am the good shepherd. Not just a shepherd, I am the good shepherd. And I want you to know because I'm the good shepherd, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. No matter how bad you might think you are, no matter how bad things you've done, no matter how good you think, even in your pride, I'm still going to be there. And I'm going to be working in your life. So, the good shepherd's always present with the sheep. And then, the good shepherd's also always protective of the sheep. Notice what he says. He's going to protect them from the wolves 
and from the strangers. Now, I was in Israel a couple years ago. I had the privilege of going there in April of 2019, so it's been almost two years now. Is one of those great blessing of God trips. Anybody ever been to Israel? No? Or maybe I just can't see the hands. A few. Pretty expensive trip, isn't it? It can be. So praise the Lord for one of the things I'm able to do. I'm the president of the Ohio Baptist Foundation. If you guys will recall, back in 2018, I had cancer. Uh, that year, there was a trip planned to Honolulu with the Baptist Foundation directors. Swing and a miss. My wife and I missed that. Well, the next year, if it wasn't even better than that, Texas was hosting, and Texas said, hey, by the way, we're going to go to Israel. And I'm thinking, I don't have that many pennies. And I know my foundation directors love me, but I don't know if they want to give me that many pennies <laughs> to go. And he said, you know what, Jack, you missed last year. You and Jenny missed last year uh, Honolulu. He said, how about if we just pay your entire way? And Texas did it. You know, every, they do everything big in Texas, right? Five-star restaurants. Five-star hotels. I mean, it, it, I, I couldn't have even imagined it. I mean, it was just unbelievable. That, that, that's the goodness of our God, amen? I mean, that's why he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and he sells a few sometimes, and he gives you the proceeds. Praise the Lord. I like that. Yeah. But one of the things I was able to see is I was able to see several times a shepherd leading his sheep. He was never behind them. Uh, he was never beside them. He was always in front of them. And they were just moseying right behind him. Now, one of the things I was able to see also is to see a sheep pen. And there are different types in Israel, depending on where you are in the desert. <clears throat> but I want you to imagine this so you can get a picture of what Jesus is saying here. Most often, as a shepherd would be leading his sheep, and it would come time for him to rest them uh, in the evening time and to rest them for the night, he had to find a safe environment because, again, he's in the desert, food scarce, water scarce, and there's literally predators all around. I mean, literally. And so normally what a shepherd would do, because he would, again, know the terrain, where he's driving the sheep and where he's leading the sheep, he would normally put them up against a cliff face. Oftentimes in the cliff faces in Israel, there would be a kind of a rock wall. Oftentimes on top of these rock walls would be these thorny kind of thicket and bushes. They're very popular in Israel. And there's normally just a small entranceway to those. And so what he would do is he would lead the sheep in. He would either make uh, something that would cover the entrance that would be similar to the thorny brush to keep the predators out. But if he couldn't find that, he was the one that would lay at the entrance of the gate. So that if a sheep was trying to come out or a predator was trying to come in, unless they were trying to come in from over the top, and that was a deterrent for them not to do that because of the thorny bushes, it would probably harm them as they tried to do that. And so he's, this picture is, as Jesus says, by the way, I'm the one who's leading them in, and the doorkeeper to the gate is God himself. And the only way that we're going to get into eternity, God at the door, is through the person of Jesus Christ. He's the pathway. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. He's the only passageway into eternity. And so as I was able to see this, it was interesting how the shepherd does his job of protecting the sheep. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Normally when we see pictures of Jesus... 
we normally see him very calm, right? Normally holding a lamb, don't we? It's normally a very subtle, kind of peaceful picture. Well, I mean, that makes for good pictures, and certainly he is the one who leads the lamb. He certainly told Peter on more than one occasion as he's walking by the Sea of Galilee to feed his lambs, to feed his sheep. But a shepherd is a skilled person who is strong in his beliefs and his desires to protect the sheep. And I just had to write this. The shepherd, Jesus, he's not a wimp, he's a warrior. Not a wimp, he's a warrior. I heard a, a pastor preach a sermon not too long ago, and I love the title because I know the man a little bit. And he's just a short guy. I'm about 6'4". He's probably about 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, it, it, he's standing on the you know, padding. Uh, and uh, his title of the sermon was, God's Not Calling Wimps to Ministry. Not Calling Wimps. You've got to be strong if you're going to do what we do. You've got to be strong to follow the Lord, amen? I mean, you do. Now, the strength of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. That's what uh, Proverbs 18.10 tells us. So the shepherd, though, oftentimes you see him in this very subtle manner leading and guiding sheep. When it comes time to do battle with the enemies and the strangers of the sheep, he fights the fight. He puts his life on the line. Isn't that what happened when David runs to the battlefield to see his brothers and he eventually encounters Goliath I mean he goes there and he says you know how, how long are we going to let this, this blaspheme or blaspheme of the Lord he said I'll fight the guy ah you're ready man this guy's undefeated I mean he's Mike Tyson come on you can't knock this guy out well I can tell you what there have been times when I've been tending the flock that I've had a lion or a tiger or a bear, oh my. And God's helped me defeat them every time. He'll do the same with this infidel, this blasphemer. And sure enough, we know that's exactly what God does. So David was heeding the word because he was walking by faith. And because he was heeding the word and walking by faith, he couldn't use the protection of Saul's armor. He could only use the protection of his faith in the holy God. And that was enough. And he took the stone and he slung it and he killed Goliath. And then uh, to, to add insult to injury, he takes his monstrous sword that probably would have been almost as big as David and just chops his head off. And then takes his head and walks into the city and says, hey, look what I got. That's the God we serve. He's a warrior, not a wimp. And a good shepherd can protect the sheep because of who he is. Not only is he protective of the sheep, you also know that he's productive with the sheep or toward the sheep. I love what the Bible says in verse 10, don't you? You know, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have what? Life. Isn't there a certain enthusiasm in that word? Life. And not only have life, but have it in abundance. Abundant, abundance means more than you need. <laughs> more than it requires. How many of you have a shortfall of money today? Wouldn't you like to have an abundance? How many of you have a shortfall in how you're understanding the things of the world? Maybe your faith is waning a little bit. Wouldn't you want to have an abundance? More than you need? More than is necessary? More than is required? 
the Lord loves to lavish gifts on his children. Now, it isn't always monetary or materialistic blessings. You know, sometimes it's just a blessing to know that God's there, that he hears, that he's listening. One of the great things I love about how God is productive is how he uses his word to encourage us, how he uses the church to remind us, how he uses brothers and sisters in Christ to walk alongside of us, how he gives the spirit to empower us, and he gives us a sound mind, and he gives us a reasonable heart, and he empowers us to do the work of ministry that is set before him to do. So he's productive. He's productive in how he leads. He's productive in how he guides. He's productive in that if you read Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I want. I shall not what? I won't want. He maketh me to lie down in what kind of pastures? Yeah. He leadeth me beside what kind of waters? Yeah. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for who? His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of what? I'm doing what? Fear no evil. Why? Because he's, he's with us. His rod, his staff, they do what? Comfort us. He anoints our head with what? Yeah, that's, that's a reminder of the blessing. What's the cup do? It overflows. And then he goes, life Abundant. That's why he can say. And David wrote that psalm in one of the most harrowing times of his life. Yea, though I walk through the folly of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because God's with me. Surely, surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? <laughs> Forever. Our shepherd is extremely productive. The good shepherd is productive. And then he's also purposeful. He's always purposeful. The purpose is that he loves the sheep enough. He has a knowledge of them. He has a quality of love for them. He has an intimate relationship with them. That he's willing to pay the ultimate price for them. I'll lay down my life for the sheep. I'll lay down my life so that they can enter in and come in and go out and have green pastures. That they can be with me forever. That they can enjoy the abundance. You know, I don't think there's going to be a scarcity in heaven, do you? Abundance. The Bible says, Greater love had no man than a man lay down his life for a friend. Jesus calls us friends. He calls us sons. He calls us daughters. He calls us his family. He calls us his army. And because he's present with us, and because he's protective of us, and because he's productive in our lives and for his glory... There's always a purpose behind what he does. And that purpose is to lay down his life for us. You know, I, I uh, had a brother who uh, died a year or so ago. Uh, he spent 33 years in the military. I think many of you who know me know him, you know, because I've talked about him many, many times. 
And there's been an awful lot of things uh, um, that have transpired in our lives in the last year uh, that have said that people in authority, whether it be a military person, whether it be a police officer, whether it be uh, a waiter or a waitress. I grew up in an era, one of my first jobs was working at a busboy at Bob Evans, and I learned very, very quickly that I needed to respect the people who were wearing the uniforms, who were cooking the food, and who were waiting on the tables. And I learned that you respect authority. You respect people who are servants. And what Jesus is saying, hey, I am a master servant. He's the battlefield officer. Uh, if you remember the movie, We Were Soldiers, Colonel Hal Moore, paratrooper who led the 7th Cavalry into the first battle out of helicopters in Vietnam. He said, I'll be the first one on the ground and I'll be the last one to step off the ground and there's a there's a scene in the movie where he's broken after the battle and it's because he says I, I'll never get over this because I'm wondering why my men died and I didn't die well it wasn't God's plan for him to die but one thing was sure Colonel Moore was willing to pay the ultimate price for his country for his flag for our freedom and for the men who fought that battle with him during the days of those that battle waging in the siege of that particular x-ray uh, landing zone and that particular uh, part of the Vietnam War so there was a purpose in it Jesus came with great purpose Jesus lived with great purpose Jesus died with great purpose and Jesus will come again to fulfill all of his purposes. So the question is, will we be ready? Are we willing to lay down our life for a friend? Jesus laid down his life for strangers. I think the most agonizing thing he faced on the cross wasn't the pain that he suffered, and it was agonizing. But it was the fact that there were so many people who were close to the cross, but so far from his blood, that never believe. We have friends like that, don't we? We have loved ones like that. How can you not believe? Close to the cross, may know the word, may be a member of a church, may teach, may serve as a deacon, may preach. But never know the power of the cleansing and purposeful blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in a life. I serve and you serve and we know a shepherd who has purpose <laughs> in everything he does. Close with two observations that we can apply to our lives as we think about the good shepherd. You know, discerning Jesus' voice is paramount to salvation and it's paramount to spiritual maturity. And I don't have to mention that much further than to just think about the onslaught of information we have today and the voices that want to gain our ear. It's multifaceted. It's multi-complex. And unless you're a good discerner of truth and voices, you will live a life of confusion in these days. You certainly will live a life of confusion. Hearing the Lord's voice. How does he speak to us? He speaks to us. One of the things I appreciate, brother, is he speaks to us in singing. Praise God. The Lord speaks to us in song. 
He speaks to us when we have people talking one to another. He speaks to me when I walk through the door. You know, we, there are many countries where you can't walk through a door and, and publicly worship. He speaks to me when I prepare because he reminds me. How really wicked and foul I can be. I had a conversation with a guy this week. And he said, I don't just see my, I can't see myself as that bad of a person. And I thought it and then I said it. And I said, you know what? It's a great deal why some people can't come to salvation because they don't see themselves as bad people. Friends, we're horrible people. Read Jeremiah 17 if you don't believe that. We're horrible people. Who can save me from the wretched man? I am only the Lord Jesus. Only the Lord Jesus. He's the only one. The second is that spiritual falsehoods and dangers are everywhere. Matthew 6, 34, right? We know that verse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you, right? You know what the next verse says? Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, worry about itself. Each day has enough difficulty of its own. Each day. Job knew it well. Here's a guy that had it all. And God said he had it all. God blessed him. He said, listen, there's nobody down there like Job. You considered him? Well, yeah, I have considered him. But you got to hedge your protection around him. Well, you can do this to him. Just don't kick his, or don't take his life, okay? Then, oh, by the way, you can do anything else to his body. Just again, don't take his life. And what did Job do? He praised the Lord. How do you do that? I don't have that capacity, friends. How do you do that? And then in chapter 14, he says, you know what? As, he's, as his buddies show up and they want to help him and they really just don't do that very well. He says, you know, man who's born a woman... His days are short, and they are full of trouble. Full of trouble. So if you and I are going to know the good shepherd, if you and I are going to serve the good shepherd, if you and I are going to follow the good shepherd, if you and I are going to hear the good shepherd, we have to be able to discern his voice. And you know what? Here's the great thing about his voice. You know, I don't know how many people are going to make it into eternity. A lot, I think, but there's going to be a lot more. We know, at least from the Word of God in chapter 7 of the book of Matthew, there's going to be much more that are not going to make it. But you know what's interesting? Whenever that is and however that is, and it, it, it is certainly a mystery, when we go and meet him, he's going to call us all by name. He isn't going to say, hey, members of First uh, or Chillicothe Baptist Church, y'all come on. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. By name. Can you think of that? By name. Wow. Jack. Jack. Think of your name. Think of his voice. Wow, unbelievable by name. You know, it's also interesting in the Word of God. Jesus is the one that speaks to dead people when they hear him. 
He speaks to dead people when they hear him. Wow. Wow. The last thought that I added. So all those things. You know the last thing? The good shepherd wants you to know you're his possession. If you're in Christ today, you're his possession. And you know what? You're his most valuable possession. There's nothing more valuable than the human heart and life and soul. Nothing. Not the angels. Not the surroundings of heaven. None of it. You're his most valued possession. That's why he said, I own the sheep. They're, they're mine. That's why the father won't let anybody snatch them out of my hand. Can't take them out. Why? Because they're mine. What a possession. That he would lavish his love on us. That we might be called the sons and daughters of the living God. And if you're here this morning and you don't know what it means to have a saving relationship with him. An abundant life relationship with him. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? He's the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. He loves you beyond anything you can think or imagine. And he wants to do miraculous things in your life, through your life, for your life. For your good and his glory. If you haven't said yes to Jesus, today's the best day to do it. Let's pray. Father, again, we bless you and thank you for your word and its truth, its power. For the messages that you allow futile minds like mine and others to be able to discern from your word thank you that you have this great picture that you've given us that you indeed are the good shepherd you are guiding and directing and you are loving and you are nurturing and you are protecting you're doing all these things for us and Lord we can't fathom them we can only accept them by faith and try to walk with them and, and receive them by faith you tell us without faith it's impossible to please you so, Lord, today I just pray, if there's someone here that doesn't have that faith, saving faith, the faith that brings them to salvation, the faith that says, I am a sinner, the faith that says, I need to know this Jesus guy, I need to know this Savior who said he would lay down his life for me, take it back up for me, go prepare a place for me, and then bring me to that place one of these days. I pray today that your spirit will speak to them. Lord, I also want to pray for the person who's just struggling with life. Maybe they've had something go on in their life and they're not necessarily looking at you as a good shepherd, just that you are a shepherd. And maybe like the guys in the boat there in Mark 4 that were crossing the boat, maybe some are close to you trying to get help in the midst of their situation. Some might just be on the water for you, with you and they're in another boat. They want you near, but they don't necessarily want you near enough that it's going to radically change and alter their lives or what they're doing. So I just pray for them too. Lord, we need help in America. We need help in this world. And we know that you're the only one who can provide the help that is necessary to bring about the radical change that our world needs. A change that would seek your face and know your will. And not live in our sin, in our darkness, in our own selves. So this morning, we thank you again. We open this time for your spirit to move as we respond to your invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.